You're listening to the Between You and Me podcast, brought to you by JesusWire.com, with your host, Jessica Morris. Hey guys, welcome to a new episode of Between You and Me. My name is Jess. And this is the podcast where we talk to musicians about faith and the things that hurt and heal and change us. Sometimes we speak to musicians who are in the Christian music industry and sometimes musicians who have a foot out of it. Today, we are going right in there and speaking to someone who works as a worship pastor and works in the church. I'm speaking about Onaji Jefferson. Now, you may not have heard of Anaji before, but I bet that you have heard his beautiful voice. Anaji was a touring member with Israel Houghton and New Breed for over five years. He is featured with the Brooklyn Tapnap Choir. He's released his own EP and he's been endorsed by people like Paul Baloche, who's pretty much Christian music royalty. So this guy knows what he's talking about. Now, I was approached by Anaji and his friends because they've actually just released this really cool new worship project called The Recording Collective. The Recording Collective is actually a group of people from Multitracks.com and the idea is that they redo and re-sing and reproduce popular Christian worship songs. So think like Reckless Love, What a Beautiful Name, all those ones, and create a way for them to be sung by multicultural audiences. Now, when I was told about this, I was like, oh, I literally had never thought about it before, which goes to show you that I have grown up in a middle class Australian Protestant background, been to numerous churches in that tradition, but very few, I would say, multicultural ones. I come from a very charismatic Caucasian background. And you know what? I learned a lot from these guys. They do amazing work. And so the idea that Anaji is talking to us about today is that worship and music can bring all of us closer to God, but everybody of different ages, ethnicities, backgrounds, all have a different way of experiencing that and something new to offer to that. And so the Recording Collective actually exists to bring all those different elements together into contemporary worship songs and make them accessible for worship leaders. Now, as a worship pastor, Unaji has a really unique perspective on this because he knows what it's like to try and balance the needs of everyone and sort of go, do we do hymns? Do we do like upbeat songs? We're always going to make someone unhappy. I don't envy people in worship teams. I've done it for a little bit and, you know, you're never going to make everyone happy. So how do you deal with it? And why is multicultural worship so important? Unaji tells us in this interview, and it's really worth listening to there's a lot to learn and he also has a really cool story about his journey all the way up from Brooklyn in New York to where he is now in Arizona so I hope you enjoy today's episode guys now just a reminder before we go to the interview we will have a short bio think of it as like a who is this guy who what when where what has he done what has he accomplished uh people who know Anaji just feel free to be re-impressed and people who don't this guy's done a lot so enjoy Onaji Jefferson is as comfortable standing with a choir as he is leading a congregation of thousands of people in worship. And it shows. Growing up in Brooklyn, New York, the now worship pastor grew up witnessing his mother sing at church and began playing drums. 
and after moving to Brooklyn Tabernacle Church as a teenager, it wasn't long before he joined their youth choir, paving the way for his place in the acclaimed Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir. This choir has received five Dove Awards and no less than six Grammys. Comprised of 270 people, it's to Anaji's credit that he went on to become a soloist, worship leader and a touring member of the group, which has appeared at Radio City Music Hall and Carnegie Hall. They also sang at the 2012 presidential inauguration, which was witnessed by one million people. Featured on their 2009 album, Declare Your Name, Anaji met acclaimed singer-songwriter Israel Houghton when Israel and his band New Breed were on tour. Developing a friendship, Unaji was invited to join the Grammy award-winning band and went on to spend more than six years on the road with them, travelling across the world. Most notably, he was featured alongside Israel on the album Jesus at the Centre, which peaked at number one on the US Christian Billboard charts and at 32 on the Billboard 200. Stepping out as a solo artist in 2014, he released the EP Heaven Rain, which was endorsed by his friend and acclaimed songwriter Paul Belosh. Moving on from New Breed, Anaji and his family now live in Arizona, where he works as a worship pastor at Christ Church of the Valley in Phoenix. However, his time with New Breed continues to make way for new opportunities in multicultural worship. And he was recently invited by the band's Grammy award-winning producer, Chris Baker, to join a new initiative called The Recording Collective. Formed by Chris and the team at Multitracks.com, the collective is a group of worship artists who champion local churches by providing variations of popular worship songs so they can engage multicultural congregations and listeners around the world. Dropping their debut EP, Gospel, Volume 1, Born as the King, in 2016, Anati joined the team in 2017, coming alongside musicians like Christabel Clack, Charlin Neal and Tamika Carter to create Gospel Volume 2, Every Praise, which featured his version of Chris Tomlin's This Is Amazing Grace and Bethel Worship's No Longer Slaves. With the release of their third volume, Yes and Amen EP, Anaji brings a new gospel flavour to the beloved House Fire song of the same name and also gives a fresh rendition of Hillsong Young and Free's Love Won't Let Me Down. I promise you haven't heard anything like this before. I spoke to Anaji from his church in Phoenix about his passion for multicultural worship, his journey as a musician and why God's presence means everything to him. This is the very talented Anaji Jefferson. I want to start with the Recording Collective first, only because I literally just heard about it. So can you tell me a bit about the Recording Collective, what it is, and how you actually became a part of it? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I became a part of it through a mutual relationship. A good friend of mine who I played with for a few years, uh, the group called Israel and New Breed, um, his name is Chris Baker, and I met him through the group. And... Um, about, I want to say, gosh, maybe two years ago, uh, Chris informed me that he, he came into this relationship with the Recording Collective and uh, that they were going to be getting some songs together, popular worship songs, and uh, just kind of reimagining them as far as stylistically uh, being concerned. They were going to just kind of get songs that may have been written to fit one uh, certain number of styles and expressions as far as worship music is concerned and kind of give them uh, just another take, another spin, which I felt was really fascinating to hear and had become something that was uh, a burden on my, on my heart. I record and do music as well myself. And that was something that was really heavy on my heart. So when Chris 
reached out to me that he was kind of doing this with recording collective it was a no-brainer for me uh that was something that was already a passion of mine and i wanted to get behind as well and uh let's see we've got three volumes out now uh the, the third one just released uh, first week of february and i think it's amazing the heart and the mind behind these projects uh again recording collective uh, they work really closely with multi-tracks and uh, there's just a group of, of people whose passion was to take uh, songs that are really well-known and popular uh, from, you know, specific genres like uh, CCM or uh, urban or rock or alternative uh, even, and kind of cross, cross them over uh, so that they can kind of live in other spaces, which we're already seeing happening with, with certain recording artists. Uh, that are out today, popular artists that are kind of taking modern worship and, and giving it uh, different expression, different styles. And uh, I think that's just beautiful. And, you know, there's so many different people out there who lend to different kinds of styles of music and these songs being able to have more than one way of being done, I think just really helps grow the body. Yes, I love that. Um, and I love that when I listened to the the latest EP and, and looked into what you guys do. It, it was something that had never struck me before, but I was like, of course worship songs can be changed in different arrangements and different expressions because that's the nature of the church. Right. Um, and I love that you guys do that and you give them, I wouldn't say even new life, but just a different, you bring out something in them that I didn't even expect and I love that. Can you tell me a little bit about, you said like the burden on your heart for, yeah. for worship and expressing that. Can you tell me about that burden and sort of why that compelled you to join the collective? You know, uh, yeah, traveling with the, the group that I was with, Israel Newbreed, I think really opened my eyes uh, to this specific uh, idea of being able to take songs and, like you say, give them new life, get, reimagine them, maybe do them more than one way stylistically. Um, because the results of that are you're able to unite people groups. Mm -hmm. um, we all have, we all know and love people like uh, Israel and, and Darlene Sheck and uh, so many others that were, in my estimation, uh, really the, the the founders of this idea of getting sounds together. Uh, you know, making something that's maybe guitar driven, but then there's another part of the song that's maybe more uh, um, uh, R and B or or just has another inspiration behind it and kind of uniting that sound or taking a song and covering, you know, redoing it, taking a song, doing it as a cover, but then changing the arrangement, the style of it, giving it another, uh, almost another character uh, to it and seeing a whole different group of people be able to really engage uh, from that standpoint. And, and being with, with this group, we did that a lot. We did covers of songs that were popular songs, uh, in one setting, but then we would take them and maybe do them with a reggae influence or do them a little bit more R&B or funk inspired. And we were able to see uh, a whole different set of people kind of engage with these songs. And uh, Recording Collective, I think kind of seeing that already happening across the board, I just want to be a part of bridging the gap. I think that's what it really is. It's, it's a bridging that happens when you're able to take something in one setting and through changing the style of it or nuancing it even within the song, uh, you, it, it helps to unite uh, people in worship, in the presence of God. And that's what we saw happening in, in our travels. And that's what we're seeing happening through these 
these volumes. We're seeing churches from different expressions, different um, uh, denominations, really embracing these songs and their rearrangements and rearticulations and encountering God. The latest EP, Yes and Amen, you cover mm. like Reckless Love, What a Beautiful Name, some of the biggest like contemporary worship songs yeah. right now. And there have been so many covers of them. If someone was sort of considering your EP and stuff, what would you say to them to sort of say this is why it stands out and why you should give it a listen? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I'd, I'd have to go back. Uh, if I was talking to a worship leader or a worship pastor or just anyone in that in that regard when wanting to check it out, uh, I just say it's I think when you're able to take something that's familiar to you in one setting and kind of hear it done differently, uh, it can affect you even deeper than it did the first time um, or just reveal to you something that maybe you would not have even suspected it to be able to do all because it's been transformed or transmorphed in a way. And I think that's the beauty behind these cover compilations uh, that we're doing of popular songs. Uh, you know, we've heard them done in, in one way and seen them done in one setting. And there's an expectation that we, we have uh, because we've heard it done that way or seen it done that way. But then you hear it in this different light. Uh, and it always, like you said earlier, it, there's a new life. Uh, there's a new experience uh, that that we gain from from this different arrangement. So I'd say for that fact, for the for the ability to have it be fresh again, uh, or even to reveal something that you would not have expected. I think it's worth a listen just for that explanation. Nice work. <laughs> <laughs> when I was searching, your love was never far. You made a way to get to me. You were the whisper leading me to your heart. Um, and how the recording collective fits into that. So I suppose where in your career you found out about it and approached it and how you fit that in with your day-to-day life and career. Oh, yeah. Uh, Again, I I met Chris uh, through our travels with a a singing group and uh, that's kind of how I came into the recording collective and just kind of knowing who they are. And uh, we were able to go down a group of us who have been a part of these compilations for the past few years and and do something in the multi-track studio. Uh, together and got to meet uh, some of the guys who are engineering and mixing and, and kind of getting their heads together, brainstorming these records, which was so fantastic. Uh, but yeah, I came into knowing about the recording collective through Chris Baker, who's producing uh, and arranging a lot of these songs, most all of these songs, producing and arranging them. And uh, as far as fitting them in, uh, I, I, I work at a fantastic church that uh, is really about, we call it the Big C Church. 
uh, which is not just kind of what we're doing in, in our efforts to reach uh, our, our community for Christ, but having a, a big C church mentality, which this is not just about what we're doing, but what God is doing uh, across the country, across the world. And so they're the, the really empowering when opportunities like this come to, to us who, who attend here, who work here. I'm, I'm one of the worship pastors here at my church. So they give me the space, which is a great blessing to be able to take time out in my day and either record some songs if you know I've got the scheduling to do that or to do them off, off hours, which I try and do mostly, or even take a little bit of time out of the day and, and sit here and, and talk with you about this. So they're really great about that, which is, which is a great blessing. How does that fit with family and stuff as well? Oh, yeah. <laughs> how, how often do you travel and tour and things like yeah. that? Well, you know what? I, I grew up in New York City. And uh, past three years, I've been out here in Phoenix, Arizona. And the church we attend is Christ Church of the Valley. And uh, so I've been off the road um, to a degree <laughs> for the last three years as far as having an, an itinerant schedule and being out two, two and a half weeks out of a month. You know, uh, so I haven't had... Uh, an itinerant schedule, do things here and there as, as um, opportunities arise. Uh, but yet, you know, it, it's, it's always an interesting balance with family. My wife and I just try and get our hearts and our minds around what the opportunity is and then just practically look at life, look at what our kids are doing. Does someone have a swim meet, you know, mm-hmm. or, yeah. or uh, things like that? Because we definitely uh, don't want to do anything that would take away from family time. So we, we just, it's a case by case basis. Um, trying to create a sense of normal when opportunities and things like that arise. And uh, obviously family's always first and um, our kids and just what we're doing and making sure that we're making those time deposits one into another. And uh, and then, you know, opportunities are, are dealt with from there. Uh, but my wife, she has a heart for what Recording Collective is doing here as well and knows that that's a real burden and passion of mine as well. So she's just been pushing me, you know, both hands in my back and saying, yeah, let's, let's jump on board with this. So it's, it's great. I wanted to talk a little bit about diversity in worship and in yeah. music. Uh, and I know that you've, you've touched on that already and told me how you're passionate about it, why you're passionate about it. Um, but I really wanted to expand on that if I could. I really would like to dig into that because I feel like I, I lack so much understanding mm. in that area. And I just really wanted to know from, I suppose, a church perspective and personal perspective, why is diversity so important in worship? Yeah. Well, you know what? Um, I've been digging into that myself. And so, so hopefully my perspective will, <laughs> will, will shed some kind of light. But as far as of, of what I've been digging into and it's been impressed on my heart, the Bible talks about uh, all of humanity being created in the image of God. Uh, God is you look at the book of Genesis and, and creation is happening. Uh, it says, let us, let us create man in our image, uh, in our likeness. And I believe diversity is important. And since we're all created, right, in the image of God, all of our cultural expression and, and all of that dynamic, that means every people group carries a portion uh, and a perspective and a view of God's image that ne- uh, another culture or people group may not necessarily naturally carry in themselves. And, uh, and I think what happens is when we all come together, when we all unify around the name of Jesus and, and, and bring ourselves, bring, bring all of who we are, our cultural expressions, uh, uh, the, the way we sing or the way we express 
the way we do a thing, the way we worship God, the way we encounter his presence, when we're able to bring that together, we're able to see a fuller picture of who God is, of his nature, of his being, uh, of, of his character. We're able to experience that, I believe, in a greater way when we have uh, people of all different creeds and colors and ethnicities coming together, lifting up the song of the Lord in worship and finding their place together. Because uh, songs have that power. They have a power and ability to unite us, uh, much like sports. You know, Two of the main places that you'll find people, no matter what their differences are, coming together to enjoy each other and to enjoy a time is at a concert and at a sporting event. You know, people seldomly care, you know, uh, uh, how you look or what you eat or don't eat or what you do or don't do. It's like, man, this artist speaks to us and we're all singing these songs at the top of our lungs or this sporting event, you know, like soccer or, you know, or what have you, well, football. (laughs) Either way. <laughs> Either way. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I think music in the church is so powerful because it has that same dynamic. It has a way, if done correctly and done with the right intent and the right heart, to unite, to, to, to unite a people who otherwise may not get to come together in, in some regard. So I think we're seeing the movement of worship music, especially now, uh, doing that more and more and more. And, and churches are blending more and more and more. Uh, I believe it was Dr. King who said 11 o'clock on Sunday is one of the most segregated hours. And that was at a time where, of course, segregation in our country uh, was at its at its highest. Uh, but the fact that he would articulate that, what he was trying to say is you go from church to church and you know you see one people group and, and, and that's it. And then another people group and that's it. But nowadays, I, this is a beautiful convergence of all, I mean, we see it here in our church and so many churches around the country. So being able to facilitate that through music, I think is such a blessing because um, the, the goal in the heart is to unite all peoples, all nationalities around the name of Jesus to worship and experience his presence. challenges um, that you face as a member of the church, but also as a worship pastor, mm. uh, I suppose, in, in bringing and creating that unity around um, so many uh, diverse backgrounds, and nationalities and things like that? Woo. Oh, boy, that's a loaded question. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> you know, no, it's good, though. It's good. I think it's something that uh, depending upon what, what the parameters may be or, 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 you know, what you're trying to accomplish, it differs, but I, generally, uh, it's, it's difficult to find, I, I go to a very large church. So we have a, a, a lot of people from, I mean, all over, all over the world from, or, or just even experientially, you know, sometimes it's not a matter of nationality and things of that nature, but it's just, you know, I, I'm a guy who grew up in the inner city and I work with a lot of people who grew up in the Midwest. So there's, <laughs> yeah. 
there's different, you know, uh, ways of perception, you know, and just formation, how we grew up, you know, these guys are used to running around in open fields and I'm here on the trains in the city, you know, <laughs> New York true. city and the, and the bus. So, uh, so just kind of getting to a place where, where you, there's a common, like, okay, you know what? We have a lot of differences, but we, yeah, we have something kindred here. And, and finding that in the music uh, has just as much as a challenge as it would conversationally. You know, finding that common ground. I think that's one of the most, I think that's what I'm trying to say, just finding a common ground where we can kind of agree on and say, okay, I, my heart's desire is being fulfilled here and yours is. Like we, 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 you know, we agree on this lyrically uh, or, or stylistically, you know, how we're trying to communicate what we're trying to say to hopefully bring people into God's presence. So uh, in creating the music and picking the music or creating it, I think that's the thing, just finding common ground with so many different backgrounds <laughs> and viewpoints. Obviously, like diversity is something that your yeah. church is embracing and, and that's, that we are seeing more of um, and becoming more aware of. And that's beautiful. And I love that. There has been opposition to that in numerous ways and contexts for a long time. Um, mm. How do you keep your heart soft in light of any opposition you face, whatever that looks like? I had a friend tell me, you know, uh, no matter what you face in situationally or in life, you got to keep the main thing the main thing. Um, I think sometimes what, what gets skewed or can challenge your heart as far as its tenderness and its vulnerability is when you fluctuate from what the main thing really is. And, and honestly, for a worship leader, a worship pastor, just for a believer, and, and, you know, I don't, I don't want this to sound trivial or, or trite, but the main thing is Jesus. That, that's the bottom line. And, and our assignment as, as, as ministers of the gospel is to just do that, is to minister the gospel of Jesus Christ. And there's opposition. There's sometimes, you know, uh, you'll do something in, in efforts to, to unite or to bridge a gap uh, through, you know, let's just be honest. I mean, like we're doing things that are creative in nature and there's a lot of different, you know, uh, that's, that's something uh, people have a lot of different opinions about that. You know, we may do songs uh, and, and again, not just experientially or ethnically, uh, but sometimes just age generationally, you know, that's, that's another bridging of the gap that we're seeing happening here. Uh, or, or that's kind of a nuance, uh, where now you got people, uh, maybe over 40 and, and then you got in the same church, a lot of people who are under 40 in, the, in their mid twenties and stylistically things are different, you know, so trying to find a, a way to create a creative worship expression to where generationally we're bridging, bridging a gap. You know, all oh, the music's too loud. The lights are too bright, you know, or, oh man, we're just doing hymns all the time. Like what's going on? Like, is there a way for us to do them in a fun, up current way? So, I mean, it's so, it's so broad, but um, at the end of the day, you take all of those, all that feedback and you, Bring it back to Jesus in prayer and, and, and really trust him to guide you. You really have to trust the voice and the leading of the Holy Spirit for where you are and for what he's called you to do uh, to give you the inspiration, the creative thought to, to do. Because he will. And, and you know what? 
sometimes it's a it's a slow grind, <laughs> you know. Some trial and error. You, you submit something, and oh, <laughs> let's we got to review that. Man, maybe that didn't quite hit the right way. Um, you know, and you just got to stay open handed too. You know, you can't hold on to things too tightly. That's some, I'm in a, a great place in a, in a good culture where we're really open handed with things. If things don't hit the way we kind of thought they would have, we go back to the drawing board. We go back to the presence of the Lord, and we. We ask God to help us refine things if maybe we got something skewed or twisted. So I know that's a roundabout way to kind of say you just really got to lean on the on the leading of the Lord and the voice of the Lord for where he's put you and what he's placed you to do. Death could not hold you. The veil tore your career overall um I know the worship collective is part of that but just I mean I was looking at your website and stuff and I know you've released an EP you've done lots of touring um you mentioned New Breed and I know I saw that you have worked with um the is it the Brooklyn Tabernacle, Brooklyn Choir? Tabernacle Choir yeah yes that's, that's where um, I grew up yes can, can you tell me how your musical journey started um like when you first fell in love with music oh wow yes um I grew up in in church. Um, I'm one of those kids uh, that grew up in the pew. <laughs> you know, I had my little toys, and you know, where when the sermon was getting too long, mom would let me kind of have my GI Joes or whatever I had. But I had to be in the church, and uh, and I'm glad for that. So that was really my my heritage, my upbringing. Um, my mother and I transitioned from. Uh, the church that we I was going to as a little boy to Brooklyn Tabernacle when I was kind of a preteen, so about 12 years old. So a lot of my spiritual formation, just learning how to pray, how to call on God, uh, hearing the word of God, and, and really understanding it for myself and being a part of a youth ministry, that whole thing came up through being at Brooklyn Tabernacle. And that's really where I fell in love, not just with music, but what music could accomplish um, in the presence of God. Uh, Brooklyn Tabernacle was a church that, and still is, a, a church that uh, uses music as a tool to really usher in the presence of God. Um, and man, I mean, Tuesday night prayer meetings where we're, we're there to pray, but oh, just people from all over the world, different experiences of life, uh, just calling on the name of the Lord and just really coming to a place where you feel like you're just lost in his presence. Like there's just endless space, you know, and depth um, and revelation of the love of God and the, the nature of God as you're just really singing these songs, these prayers set to melody, uh, you know, and, and these truths, you're reminding yourselves in your heart of these truths and, uh, and, and the presence of the Lord just in turn pours out, pours out and just 
And it's just endless. Um, I think that's where the phrase just being lost in the presence of God kind of encompasses and, and comes from. So that's what I grew up in. Uh, there was no clock. You know, mm-hmm. we just had a heart set after God and we were willing to press and we were willing to wait and we were willing to go as far as the Lord uh, would open up and allow us to do, you know, in the, in the time that we were there. And uh, that was just a beautiful upbringing to have. So my love for music was really grew with my love for the presence of God. Like the two really grew together. And I really never wanted to do anything else. Uh, I really felt like music really wasn't at its fullest unless it was tethered to this release and revelation of God's presence. When did you start pursuing music professionally? Oh, uh well, I started singing with the, the Brooklyn Tabernacle Choir, which was uh, and still is today a recording uh, choir. And uh, so I guess in that regard, a lot of the professional singing and, you know, move from uh, singing along with the choir to be coming and stepping out and doing some leads uh, and mm-hmm. things of that nature, uh, which kind of led to me leading worship at the church. Uh, which then led to me kind of being able to be a part of writing music along with uh, Carol Simbla and writing some of the songs that the, that the church has done and still does to this day. So that that's kind of how it started. It started with the choir um, in, a, in a sort of a professional route. And uh, over time, just kind of realizing that this wasn't just a, a gift and a ministry that God has given me, but something that he had for me to do. Like this was a mandate. Like I, I really feel like this is something, at least in this season of my life, that I'm, I'm created for, and created to do. I feel, I feel alive. Uh, and yeah, I just feel like I'm being, you know, when I'm in this space of writing music or singing uh, music. So how did you join Israel and Newbreed from there? Funny enough, it happened the same way. At this point, I was leading worship at the church, and it was about 2008, I believe, and uh, we we had him come. We had him in the group come down. Uh, of course, I knew of Israel uh, beforehand as far as through the CDs, and, and he was a great influence. So now I'm in this space like, wow, I can't believe the, the guy that I'm emulating and, <laughs> and, and watching and, and learning from is coming to the church. And it just happened beautifully. He came and sat in the service. Uh, and I tried not to notice that he was there and, <laughs> you know, yeah. not getting nervous. But we talked afterward, which began like a, you know, uh, uh, back and forth kind of, you know, once a month, once every other month conversations. We kept in touch. I couldn't believe that. I mean, and, uh, you know, he was just a real encouragement and a brother from the beginning. And two years later, um, at a conference that the group would do every year, we, uh, you know, he asked, said, hey, man cool to have you do some stuff with us which led to about five and a half six years of me traveling with them
I do at the end of every interview is just throw a few quick questions at the artist um, and they're normally random questions that don't fit anywhere else. So it's sort of like if someone on the street recognised you and they went up to you, they may ask you something like this. Okay, um, cool. So hopefully it should be relatively easy. We'll see. <laughs> <laughs> um, number one, who's your favourite worship artist right now? And it, they oh. could be any genre. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay, I'll try and just shoot from the hip. Uh, favorite worship artist right now? Oh, man. Oh, I'm trying. I'm trying to be quick. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, can I give you like two or three just down yes, the line? Because I just don't know where they're at. All right. Uh, I say as far as individual artists, I really love what Jonathan McReynolds is doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he's bringing something to uh, the urban worship market that's hasn't been before i think you know the, the whole soul soulful kind of neo soul singer songwriter thing that he's doing is, is really refreshing i love that um i love the writing of bethel music i just love how they hear god and how they release that uh in their writing it's it just moves me and i have to say you know not in any particular artist but uh, order but man my my buddy israel i mean he's just one of those guys, man. He's, you know, he's a he's a pillar, you know. Yeah. He's a timeless guy, and I, I love that about him. Yes, nice top three in any order. <laughs> it was great. Awesome. Good work. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's like yes, I got it. <laughs> um, number two, uh, what's your most memorable moment that you've had on tour? So when you've been Whoa. going around different churches, um, singing, what stands out the most? Oh, most memorable moment. Oh, man. Wow. All right. I got two. I think one of them, I was in New Zealand. I'm sorry, we were in Melbourne, Melbourne, Australia. Oh, I'm like an owl from Melbourne, so that makes me very Yeah, happy. <laughs> I tell you, two places I'd move to. I don't know if this is one of the questions, but if I had to move out of the United States, I'd move to either New Zealand, Auckland, New Zealand, or Melbourne, Australia. Oh, New Zealand is, they're so nice in New Zealand, aren't they? Well, you're more than welcome. Thank you. Take me. <laughs> but I was in Melbourne and we were we were uh, doing some touring uh, as well as the conference with Planet Shakers. Uh, oh, yes. There. Oh, yeah. man. Yep. Pastor Russell. And uh, we're out there hanging with them. And we were at a church. I forget where. I, I don't know if it was his church. Uh, probably was. And we were in the middle of a, just a, man, a beautiful moment of worship. It was a Sunday service after the conference was all already done. So just all that presence of God just spilling over. Mm-hmm. And uh, Pastor Russell put his hand on me. And I was I was in a place where I was just kind of like, God, am I in the right, you know, am I in the right place? Am I, am I doing what I need to be doing? And did I hear you correctly? I kind of had some questions. And, you know, I was kind of doubting the space that I was in, you know, not feeling worthy of it, doubting it. And Pastor Russell put his hand on me and just, spoke right into that <laughs> without without having a conversation beforehand or, or him even i mean i think this was the first time i ever met uh them over there it's my first time there actually it was first conference we did with them which we later went back two or three times and did and and uh just that god would use a man love god like that from the other side of the world just to communicate to me in a moment where i was kind of like self-doubting and you know just kind of lost 
to kind of ground me, to locate me, and to say, you're right where, and he, that's what he says, God says, you are right where you need to be. Oh, and he so walked good. away, and I was crying for the next 30 minutes. Yes. Uh, it was no good, but it was a powerful moment. Powerful moment. So yeah. cool. I love that. Last question, and this may be hard. We'll find out. Um, <laughs> if, if you go back in time yeah. um, and speak to yourself when you were a little kid and you were playing like with your G.I. Joe's in church and yeah. you were hearing music and you're starting to experience God for the first time, right. what would you say to yourself knowing what you do now? Oh, boy. <laughs> Oh, what would I say to myself? Oh, man. You know what? Uh, I'd say a few things. Go for it. I think practically, I'd tell that young man, uh, don't get off the piano. Stay disciplined. Because <laughs> I did. And I'm, trying, <laughs> I'm digging back into it now. Uh, knowing what I, you know, what I know now and doing what I do now, I think piano would have definitely been. So to any of those young, young men, young ladies out there, you know, mom, dad's got you on the piano. Stick with it. You never know. <laughs> I should have. I tell him, stay on the piano. And uh, I'd encourage him as early as possible to just fall in love with the voice of the Lord. Just to love his presence. Um, I, I do, you know, I gave my life to the Lord when I was 18 years old. And uh, knowing what I know now, I, I would have loved to have done that even earlier. You know, mm -hmm. but God is faithful and he knows the timing that he has for for us all. And I'm glad he he caught my heart when he did. But, yeah, I just there's nothing like it. This journey of faith that I've been on my two beautiful girls, my wife um, serving the Lord. Now we're, you know, growing them up in church the same way we did. And it's it's awesome. Before I spoke a word, you were singing all for me. So, so good to me Before I took a breath You breathed your life in me You have been so, so was that guys and Najee brought up some things that I hadn't had to think about before and I loved his passion for worship and for God's presence and for uniting people I feel like as a church we need that right now and I really liked how we talked about the church as like a church with a big c and how his church tries to think of it like that like they're part of something bigger I sort of wonder what would happen in my life if I remember that I was part of something bigger, not just my local church and even just my local community, but like a global church, God's kingdom, a family with you guys. It's something that's really mind-blowing 
And the fact that those thoughts sort of come up after hearing that music and hearing Anaji's story says a lot about his passion and integrity. And I love that. I really, really hope that you guys love today's episode and you loved thoughts on worship. I know it's niche and for some people who haven't been in church for a while, it might be a bit strange to listen to, but thank you for taking a chance. Um, And I hope that these fresh takes on contemporary worship songs really energized you and sort of made you really happy. I just love the whole like gospel vibe of it. The harmonies are just next level ridiculous. And the fact that they can take songs as vast as like Bethel to Young and Free to like House Fires and make them sound so infused with soul and so different and fresh is really, really cool. So if you would like to grab any of the EPs from the Recording Collective, particularly their latest one, which just dropped, which is Yes and Amen, you can get that now on iTunes. Just find the link below in the story notes. You can also connect with our friend Anaji. Uh, he is on Instagram and on Twitter at OnajiJ1. That is O-N-A-J-E-J-1. You can also check out his website, which has details on his solo EP, which came out in 2014. And that is at OnajiJefferson.com. Again, the link is below. If you would like some more information about the Recording Collective and multi-tracks and everything that they do and their numerous EPs, just check out at Recording Collective on your social media and visit therecordingcollective.com. You will also find them all over iTunes, so it's well worth your time. That was today's worship-infused episode. It's so fun that we get to go from one episode is like all girl power stuff, Crystal Lewis... We did Enneagram earlier this season and personality theories. We have jumped to 90 CCM with John DiBiazzi. And now we're diving into diversity and worship. I love how eclectic and how, for lack of a better term, diverse the church is. And however we term that, whether we're in a building or we're outside of a building or we're in the Christian music industry or we're outside it, whatever we're doing, it's so fun that we get to have different conversations and hear different stories. It makes me really excited, which is why next week is going to be extra fun for me because we have an Australian on. I've been wanting to highlight Australian talent for a little while. It's something I'm really passionate about and I have worked a little bit with our local music press. So next week, sneak peek, I'm just so excited. We are going to have Andrew Kitchen on. If you have never heard of Antiskeptic, oh guys, you are welcome. It's going to be so fun. Think pop punk of the noughties era. Andrew has some great things to say about taking off as a band and, you know, performing in a massive arena one night and then literally like pulling trolleys at like a supermarket the next day purely to get by. Really interesting. Lots of meat in the next episode. Uh, And I just love it because the music is so fun and just really takes me back to being a teenager. That's all for today. As always, please reach out, call me, beat me, tweet me. I just love that I can use that now. Sorry, I know it's old already. I'm at Between You Me Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. We are most active on Instagram, which is where we get to post fun videos and stuff. So definitely reach out uh, and you can, and let us know who you want us to talk to, what questions do you have, and what is your favorite music? We really want to get involved. I'm working really hard to make this season as diverse as possible and as interesting as possible, and I would love your suggestions for the rest of this season and for hopefully a season three. Thank you so much for all your support, for the musicians and creatives and fans who are listening. I love that we get to do this together. So I will see you then. 
And we will exit to the sweet, sweet tones of Anaji Jefferson singing one of the great worship songs of our time. You're welcome. To the Between You and Me podcast. Stay connected by visiting www.betweenyouandmepod.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher. For more Christian news, reviews, and interviews, get plugged in to JesusWire.com.